Which commandment is the first of all? Sounds like a pretty good final exam question, doesn't it? Sounds like just the sort of thing a confirmation student who has just completed two years of instruction in the Bible and Christian faith might be asked to answer. I should say right away that confirmation is not a reward for passing a test. There's actually no exam at all to be confirmed in our congregation. Confirmation does not mean that you have all the correct answers, that you've got this whole theology business mastered. No, it simply means you have taken the time to immerse yourself in study, in questions, in conversation, in prayer, in reflection. And after all that, you are ready to claim this path for yourself. You're ready to say aloud that the way of Jesus is one you want to keep walking. It's not a test. Right. Still, after all that studying and reflecting and all, it seems only fair that you get asked a couple of questions, that you are invited to say what you think and believe. So I recently asked the confirmation students a version of that question we heard in our gospel reading today. Not which commandment is first of all, but right now, what does Christian faith mean for you? Which is really not so different. In this whole complex tradition, with all of its stories and practices and ideas, what is most important for you? What is at the center? For me, says Damaris, who will be baptized later this morning, faith is like a flame that makes me feel God is there in my whole life. God is with me and I know I can count on him. I also learned that God gave each of us a family whom we can count on. It doesn't matter if you are in good times or bad times, you can always count on them and on God. That steady, trustworthy love of God that Damaris spoke about was there in so much of what the students wrote. And so is the call to love our neighbors. Now, the most basic definition would be, I'm living in a house, the person living next to me is my neighbor, says Celestine, which is completely true. But you can delve deeper into its definition. We learn about this in the Good Samaritan story. We learn that this Samaritan is considered to have acted like a neighbor because he showed mercy. Acting like a neighbor by showing mercy. Our students remind us that Christian life is about that. There are many people in need today, says Adam. People living in poverty, refugees, the unemployed, and many others. And at the same time, I find it important to think about people in need living close to me, my neighbors. It can be someone who's experiencing difficulties, is ill, or found themselves in a difficult situation in life. And I think that as Christians, helping such people is what Jesus would want us to do. Loving God, Loving neighbor. Hmm. Sound familiar at all? That's, of course, how Jesus responded when he was asked which commandment is the first of all. What is at the center? He dug deep down into the tradition of his Jewish faith and answered with words from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, words that sum up what life is about so succinctly and profoundly that they have kept people of faith busy for hundreds and thousands of years. 
Life is about loving God so completely with every fiber of your being that your priorities and your relationships and your way of living are oriented around that love. And it's about loving your neighbor with such strength that you treat her as her life as having equal importance with your own. The Ten Commandments are all there in that summary. The ethic Jesus taught and embodied is there. The way of life that we hope to nurture in the church is there. It's a good answer that Jesus gives. Whoever thinks that he or she understands the divine scriptures or any part of them so that it does not build the double love of God and of neighbor does not understand it at all. That one's not from one of our confirmation students, but from St. Augustine, writing 1,600 years ago. Jesus' answer is a sort of compass for our faith. If we are not headed toward these two great loves, we have lost our way. Jesus' words here can sort of stand on their own and remind us what's at the center of our faith. They do a fine job that way. But it's also worth noticing that they actually show up in a story. And it's a story with a character I'd like us to pay attention to today. He's easy to miss, but he is actually a great example for the confirmands taking the step of affirming their faith and for all of us. If we zoom out just a little bit from our reading today, we find that Jesus is in Jerusalem in the last week of his life, and it is not a calm week, to be sure. He entered the city in this great procession that made everybody in charge deeply uncomfortable about this rabble-rouser and all the attention he was getting. And ever since, he has been sparring with the religious authorities. He's told parables about their hypocrisy, and they have sent team after team to question him and test him with difficult questions meant to trap him and alienate him. The lines are drawn. It is Jesus and his people against the religious authorities. There are only two sides here. It is us and them. It really feels that way if you go back and read Mark chapters 11 and 12. Story after story of conflict. And then without warning, this new character shows up. He's been hanging around sort of in the background through all of these arguments, keeping quiet, just listening. He's a scribe, Mark tells us. And if you have been reading, you know that Jesus and the scribes do not get along well. Not by a long shot. These were sort of the professional theologians in Jerusalem, the bigwigs with institutional power, and they have had it out for Jesus from the very beginning, questioning his authority, his credentials, even his sanity. Jesus and the scribes have not gotten along well. But this scribe, the one who's been listening quietly at the back, is different. He's impressed with Jesus' words. And he's the one who asks that great question. Which commandment is the first of all? There is no hint here that this is another trap. It's an honest question this time a sincere effort at learning from this teacher from out of town. What do you think? What's at the center for you? It seems like a small thing, but it's not. Because being curious about someone else, when all those around you have stopped being curious, takes great strength. You know what I mean, right? It's very hard to be curious about those whom you are told are simply wrong or foreign or different, or enemies. It is so much easier to just go with the crowd, 
Stick with the labels. Stick with the sides, the old familiar us and them. It would have been so much easier for the scribe in our reading to go along with the other religious leaders, the ones who had labeled Jesus dangerous, threatening, out of line. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he stays curious. He listens. And more than that, when Jesus answers his question so beautifully, so completely, he publicly agrees with him. You are right, teacher, he says, in this tone of unmistakable respect. There is immense courage right there. Staying curious, listening well, standing up for what you believe is right. Living as a person of faith today takes that kind of courage. And our confirmation students understand this. To me, God is someone who is all-powerful and someone who has everyone's interest equally balanced in the world he created, says Nicholas. God values equality, where nobody is worth more than another human. Well said. And what courage it takes to live that way, valuing those on the margins as much as those at the center. A big part of me practicing my faith is sharing it, says Luke, with my church community and my confirmation class, but also with my friends. The majority of my friends are not who I spend my time with are not Christian, either of different faiths or atheists. I find, my, I find however, that speaking to them about what my faith is to me and the role it plays in my life is quite fun and interesting, as they give me questions that I'm then forced to think about. What a great example of courage, staying open and true to yourself and allowing others to deepen your own reflection and understanding. Faith is this walk of humble, courageous love, our reading reminds us today, and our students remind us that we are not alone in it. For me, to live as a Christian means to take part in our community, says Demaris, to spread God's word as Jesus did, to be thankful for what Jesus and God do for us by praying or singing. We don't need to look any further than our own church to see the different languages and cultures that intermingle within Christian faith, says Maria. Everyone is always talking to everybody and mixing together. We're always ready to welcome new people and learn about them and from them. For me, this is really vital in the sense that everybody is welcome to pray and to share in worship. We are able to accept people no matter what background they come from. We're always ready to love others. Irandi sums this all up beautifully, I think. Faith, for me, is a light that makes me think of God, a feeling happy and knowing that God is there for me. This feeling gives me strength and confidence to help others. Helping others gives me strength to continue helping. Faith cannot always be explained. Many times it is felt, it is shown, it is lived. That's it, friends. Confirmation and the ongoing affirmation of our faith is not finally about a test, about explaining what it all means, getting the answers right once and for all. It's about living, living in the love God has for us and for our neighbors. That's what's at the center. Students, what a joy to celebrate with all of you today. Thank you for pointing us once again to that wide path 
of love. Thanks be to God. Amen.